Welcome to the Queer Mo Cast. KJ, how are you? Mama! I seen you. I have, where, where have you been? I have been so many places. So many places. Where? Uh, mostly right here for the last hour and a half. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Shim Sham. Pronouns, any pronouns said with love. I'm coming to you from Shim Sham Studios, which is my attic. And uh, who who are you? Who are, oh, who are you? I am KJ. Pronouns they them. Um, I am coming to you from um, ankle tendonitis slash possibly plantar fasciitis uh, world population me. Um, yeah, you know there are lots of good yoga poses for plantar fasciitis. Yes. So you look into that. We're gonna do some physical Go therapy. Oh, are you? Oh, no, no, no. I just meant on my own at home <laughs> exercises. Oh, <okay. laughs> I, I, I love a holistic approach. Some very pro physical therapy. I love it. I love it. If uh, We do offer it at the Y, but I don't know if there's an age restriction for it because I know it's offered to seniors for nothing because through through AARP, okay. I believe. Um, but Well, if you're looking for someone, my cousin does it. She doesn't take insurance, but she she goes outside of insurance to lower her costs. So Oh well you see yeah. and, and there you go. Um and I'm sure I could set up a payment yeah. plan. Um if you need a referral, let me know. Where does your let cousin live? Where does she operate out of? Uh I I wanna say she lives in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Oh, St. Louis Park. Okay, then yes, I actually do. Is this the same cousin that also owned the distillery? Or is that a different cousin? No, that's Kyle. Okay. And this is Megan. This gotcha. is Megan. Because I think yep. Kyle also lives in St. Louis Park or near St. Louis Park because that's where the distillery is. I think is. everyone lives in St. Louis huh. Park. Well, that's just Minnesota. on the other side of the lake for me, on the other side of Bidema Casca. So that's actually not far. So yeah. let's well, go. Let's all go. Physical therapy party. <laughs> so speaking of your ankle, well, do we have a tarot card for today? Um, unfortunately, my tarot deck is upstairs, and I am downstairs. Oh, <laughs> I realized that. Okay, you know what? We're not gonna do a tarot card today. But um, do you remember these little beauties? Do you remember these little beauties? I do. Oh my goodness! Yay! They're not tarot cards. I feel like they're daily inspirational quotes or something. I don't really know. I'm here for it. So, today's uh, affirma- affirmator. Today's affirmator is generosity. And it is a hippo, a hippopotamus. <gasps> uh, and a little bunny rabbit is giving the hippo a present. Because the hippo is obviously me. And I need presents. <laughs> So. Mama needs presents. Generosity. Oh my God. That actually could be you and me. That's probably <laughs> you. And, you oh and my me. God. Um, I give generously to those around me, no matter how much or how little I have. I know there is more than enough to go around, and that the key is to allow it to keep going around without stopping. If I stop the flow, I'm like the one person at the stadium who doesn't do the wave. Oh. Well, you know, that's actually a good card. And one thing it reminds me of is um, I often think of money as like money is this kind of like taboo topic we were raised to like not ask people how much they make Mm -hmm. not that you should put people on the spot and go how much you making um (laughs) but also uh uh i think if you are in financial strains you should be allowed to ask your friends and family for help and if you have money um and in, in, in whatever amount, uh, we had a friend of ours recently ask us for some financial help. And I just sent whatever I could. And then I said, it's not a loan. Just keep it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, 
I think sometimes we're willing to donate to food pantries and donate to churches. And it's like, let's help the ones immediately around us. If people need money and you have it to spare, let's... Yeah, be generous with your money. So that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing is mutual aid. So mutual aid is um, individuals pulling up resources together to help other people around them. Um, And a lot of time that does include like a, a cash pool. So I think that's beautiful. And a beyond... Right, it doesn't have to always... Oh, I was just going to say, it doesn't have to always be financial. I just know financial is sometimes like a taboo topic for people. Well, and... In the Midwest, we are raised to, you know, like, if if you got problems, you know, swallow them, figure it out, because it's not anybody else's job to worry about you. And Figure it out. Figure it out. And sometimes figuring it out is, I'm, I need help and being able to ask yeah. for it. And also being able to recognize when you're in a position, like you said, to help out. And again, doesn't have to be money. Like, 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 like you were saying, it can be your time. It can be... Um, it, it meals be, yeah meals it could be i need to i need a ride somewhere i need you know what i mean like for example and this is a, a little different i just i had so something really interesting and fun happened on friday um my friend Annabeth and i went out for a breakfast and when we were on our way back there was this german shepherd just wandering around in the street and it was like walking up to cars that stopped to not hit the the dog and it jumped up in their windows to say hi and it was just very sweet and very lovely and Annabeth was like should we try to figure out whose it is and I was like yeah we should probably do something it's it's in the middle of a very busy intersection and it doesn't fully seem to understand that it's in a dangerous position right now so we let it into the back of the car and she was this very sweet German shepherd. She immediately like sat down in the back seat and was like, where are we going? Um, and I knocked on a bunch of doors around us and no one answered, of course, because no one answers their doors anymore. Um, if they're not expecting someone. And uh, we took it to a vet and we tried to get a chip reader and she didn't have a chip. She also didn't have a collar. Um, she'd only been outside for a little bit. Her fur was a little dirty, but otherwise... And her nails were a little long, but her eyes looked good. She wasn't scratching like she had fleas. Like she was, um, she seemed in really good health. Her teeth looked good. So we had to bring her to the um, animal control center so that they could give her a bath. And they have a really good adoption program here in the city. Um, or And they also have a program to try and reunite lost pets with their owners. Um, and... That was sort of generosity with our time because that dog might belong to somebody who is looking for her and they have no idea where she ended up. And also, I could not have lived with myself if I heard a story like, did you hear a German Shepherd got hit by a car up the road from here? Because I would have known exactly what had happened. Like some like Annabeth and I just looked at each other. We were like, we can't we have to we should do something. Right. And we did. Um, and I think sometimes. Um, like, yes, we should also do that with people, but I also think just in general, like taking the time to do something good for something or someone else around you can be a really great way to show generosity in the world. So that's where, that's where my brain went. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, for sure. Exactly. Well, how, how are you doing? You got, you got tendinitis of the foot? Tendinitis what of, else is going on? Of the foot. Um, <clears throat> it's my 34th birthday next Friday, and this isn't exacerbating oh. that at all. Um, actually, no, my birthday's on Thursday. My party's on Friday. Um, but How uh, do you feel about birthdays? I actually really love birthdays. Um, okay. <clears throat> but it took me until a little later in life to start loving my birthday. And here's why. My birthday was sandwiched between my dad's birthday and Mother's Day. <clears throat> so... My birthday was sometimes a little bit like, I don't know if I want to quite call it an afterthought because I did have some lovely birthdays, but a lot of, and my brother and sister also share a birthday, but two years apart. So birthdays were always weird in my house because it was constantly like, it was like a shared night. No one was like the star except my mom. I will say that my mom was always the star on Mother's Day, even if Mother's Day fell on my birthday. As I've gotten a little older, I like having a day to celebrate the fact that I had another year 
around the sun, another year to learn things, another year to grow, another year to, you know, just, yeah, an, another cycle um, on Earth to figure some new things out and, you know, become more the person I want to be. And the last couple of years, my birthdays have felt more fun because I have felt more authentic about myself and I'm getting better at being like, no, this is what I want to do for my birthday. Because for the longest time, my birthday also fell during finals week. So I couldn't do anything for my birthday because I had finals um, to study for and to show up for. So, you know, I'm now finally in a place where, no, if I want to do something for my birthday, I'm going to do it. That said, I don't need my birthday to all. I also don't need my birthday to be the biggest deal on the planet. But it is nice to have a day where you're like, hey, I set some time aside to invite people to hang out with me. And I would love to have some time to hang with you. Um, And also to like have you, again, generosity, like give of your time to me on a day that I'm trying to make special for myself. Um, Like I I always think that's really cool. That's why when people invite me to their birthdays, I really do try to make, make an effort to go because if they invited me, they want me around. Right. They want me. And I think that's really sweet and lovely. So birthdays, I know, are weird because how do you feel about birthdays? Well, um, first, I want to say that I love you. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) And I think (laughs) I think everyone deserves to be appreciated. And if they think and like you said, if they set a time time. So I am not talking. But also birthdays do irritate the shit out of me i know and and i think one reason it is is because it's suddenly someone being like i I hate it when people put too much pressure on it and there's lots of talk about you couldn't do this for me on my birthday I'm just like, if if I'm available and I'm with you, yes, I want to celebrate your birthday with you for sure. But, oh, and here's what I really hate. I really hate the expectation to surprise me with stuff on my birthday. I think, like for me on my birthday, if I want to do something, I do invite people over. Maybe we'll have a bonfire. I will make the plan because it's my birthday. But the like the at the end of the day crying because no one has planned anything for me and I didn't put any effort into planning it that drives me nuts I'm like girl you are you told nobody that you wanted anything and you're sad nothing happened yeah that's on you (laughs) I do wonder if it had because this is not my experience very often at least not anymore do you still have people in your life who are like that? Or are you subtweeting people from the past? I'm curious. Um, um, I may or may not know people <laughs> in my life who put a lot of pressure on their fucking birthday. And it drives me nuts. So. I was wondering because I was like, I feel like there's a, there's a specific, like a specific Because <laughs> like, here's, here, here's my big thing. I think a lot of people put pressure on their birthdays because we are taught in the United States in particular to not feel special, to not feel like there's a, you know what I mean? Like we're a cog in a machine. A lot of the time, if you're working a job, you don't particularly love, but you know, it pays the bills or you're living in a place or a state where you just don't feel like yourself. You're like putting all this pressure on this one day that's technically we're raised to believe also like it's your birthday. It's supposed to be kind of about you. You go into your adult life not really knowing what to do with both of those things, which are kind of contradictory to each other. I do agree. It manifests in really difficult to deal with ways with some people. I have a couple of friends, too, where I'm like, "Okay, I know it's your birthday. And also the world is still turning. And uh, the whole world has not stopped because it's your birthday. Um, And also, I feel a sense of almost like desperate need to celebrate something about yourself on those days and just wanting other people to like drop everything. It could come from kind of a self-centered place. And I also wonder sometimes if it comes from like a deeper like psychological need that's just an emotional need that's not being like met in other areas of their life. 
probably shouldn't just be on your birthday though. Like I agree because that's a that's right. a recipe for disappointment. Exactly. I like uh, to celebrate your birthday. I think is fantastic, and I just think people need to understand that that takes planning. We're busy women, you mm-hmm. know. We so like like I love a dinner. I love um you know I love a movie night. I love a bonfire. I love. And and then when and we've planned it, you know. Sometimes people spring a birthday on you, like, "Oh, it's my birthday," and I'm like, "Well, you know, I it, it's a Tuesday." <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday! What can you do on a Tuesday? Uh... <laughs> what you can't nothing. You can't get nachos on a Tuesday. That's for damn sure. Why not? It's Taco Tuesday. Uh... <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, okay, no, no. So anyway. I feel yeah. I no, feel I, I I do feel so yeah. So they're both I so yeah, I think I I think I'm irritated by a melodramatic birthday. I also sigh at the term birthday week. <laughs> <laughs> do you have people in your life who actually still celebrate birthday weeks? You are asking a question you know the answer I to. know. I'm, I'm, I'm leading you to say more without actually telling me anything. I'm just leading for you to, to get, go a little deeper into that. I have a cousin who celebrates birthday weeks. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, of course. And she has two children. <laughs> no, wonderful. Celebrate your birthday week. Now I feel like I'm being a bitch. I am no, being no, no, a no. bit I, of a... I, I feel you. I, I, really, I really am hearing you and I'm feeling you. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm really not a huge bitch all the time. I really do have nice things to say about people. So our engineer Junko is uh our new engineer coming coming on in as our as our new engineer for the pod, Junko. You've heard her in other episodes, mostly our spooky episodes. She just put in the chat, I do, but only in the sense that I use it as an excuse to order carry out more than once. <laughs> Which hey, I'm here for that. Like celebrate yourself all week, absolutely. Exactly, like, and also let me just g- give everyone the caveat of I'm an extremely emotional person, and I might not feel this way next week. So, <laughs> and she—that's her prerogative. Uh, <laughs> my my opinions are not like long held beliefs. I don't have a lot of long held beliefs. I feel what I feel in the moment, and next week I might say think birthdays are very spiritual important significance that everyone should celebrate so uh, do not hold me to this opinion even though it is recorded because i i will not stick to it (laughs) but uh (laughs) that's so funny um but honestly this this year for my birthday i decided we have this much larger space than we've ever lived in before and it's just us living here we don't have neighbors to worry about like above or below us at the very least. So we're having a gathering. I'm having people over and I'm going to set up my new sound system that I just got uh, uh, about six months ago. And I have some friends who are musicians and performers and anybody who wants to get up and just like share a little something can throughout the party. Otherwise we're just going to hang out, going to listen to some music. Uh, It's, we were supposed to do it outside. We were going to have a fire and grill out, but it looks like it's going to be thunderstorming all week. Uh, so that might not happen, but you know, I, I basically just told people we'll start at six 30 and we'll probably go till about midnight, come in, come out. I just want to see you. I want to see you for this gathering that I'm having. I want to like showcase our new, our new home. And also like, I have a lot of like really wonderful, like theater acquaintances and people I do consider friends in Minneapolis, but I know that I can only see them usually when I'm in a show with them or seeing them after a show, right? We have that, that I've gone to see them in. So, you I'm know, just... that is something no one ever told you that once you became an adult, that seeing people would be a very difficult challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is hard. I have friends, Junko, you know. <laughs> I have friends that live five minutes away (laughs) that I have not seen in months. It's just, as an adult, you're busy and you have obligations. And it's so, and like you, you are only 90 minutes away and it feels sometimes impossible to get to see you. And I know you feel the same way about us. It can feel, it can feel insurmountable because 
So anyway, I'm so sad I can't come. I have a new nephew. Yes, let's get to you, a little baby. Little baby Wesley James Shimko. Speaking he of is birthdays. gorgeous. He is, he, and I, yeah, you, I think we are definitely um, genetically designed to be more interested in babies that are related to us because <laughs> I love little baby Wesley James. <laughs> he is so adorable. I think he's the cutest baby that's ever lived. And you know what? I'm not a baby person. <laughs> I never would have guessed that about you. I'm just kidding. I, I've i spat on babies. No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm in a bad mood. No, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a bitchy mood. <laughs> so, but I love, little, I love little baby Wesley James. And the pictures he's are gorgeous. so gonna, sweet. The pictures are so sweet and beautiful. I'm, yeah, I'm going to meet him. He sleeps flat on his back like a drunkard, which is how... Baby should sleep. That That's is how, how they're I supposed sleep. to sleep. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So he is a drunkard. He's in the program. Well, yeah, because uh, all babies are they. They can... babies. They're they're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so stupid. It's like they don't know anything. Like, come on, they read don't a book. Know anything. <laughs> I mean, sandwich and soda. They were they were doing taxes by a week old. They were. I don't know what they were doing. Well, I mean, Sandwich owns her own business, so. Sandwich is a biomedical engineer. That's true. Yeah. She's and got Soda practice. Is a clinic. Soda is a clinical psychiatrist on uh, death row. Ah, yes. <laughs> the Eau Claire death row. I really want Mind, Mind Hunter, the show about serial yes. killers on Netflix. I really want that remade with Soda as the psychologist. Um, Soda is a little calico kitty cat. If you don't know her, um, you should follow her on social media. And by that, uh, uh, she means follow her on social media so that you can see pictures of Soda <laughs> on social right. media. KJ, what is this? What is this podcast even about? What's well? Happening? Okay, so we did an episode uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about a certain someone who wrote a certain set of books, and also a game that came out and. Uh, a bunch of stupid laws and a bunch of stupid people. And unfortunately, that didn't just make everything better as much as we wish it could have. Um, and in some ways, things have gotten worse. Um, so we are we're, we're just doing a little update about just helping people stay up to date. It is so hard to keep up with the bullshit going on right now. Um, we have in Montana, we have... Their, their first openly transgender uh, representative has been silenced and not allowed to speak in the legislature for bringing up the fact that they were against an anti-trans bill. And now they've been silenced in the legislature. Their voice is not being heard. And a huge number of, con- of, of their constituency in um, Montana is basically without representation. Um, yeah, Florida if you is a that never ends. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen the video of her sticking up, because Montana, I don't know if it's passed, but did it pass? I don't know. See, it's hard to keep up. There's so many, That's but they were exactly pa- trying it. to pass a. They were trying to pass a bill to not allow trans youth to access health care, and um, she said, she basically said, "You are all." Uh, co-conspirators in this violence being committed against children. I don't know exactly. I forgot how she worded it, but she worded it brilliantly. And they all acted all offended that she said the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's very upsetting. It does look like the bill passed the final, the final vote in the state Senate on Wednesday. Um, And it's going to the governor for consideration. Um, and see, here's the the most common healthcare trans youth uh, want to have access to and need to have access to is puberty blockers. Exactly. And these are medications that all they do 
is stop estrogen and testosterone from making the physical adaptations to the body that happen during puberty, which is breast development. Um, in females, a lot of times, the pelvis bone, you know, we, they get wider hips. Um, males develop a lot more body hair, testicles drop, and like we're are deepening our voice. Our vocal cord structures are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots, so just the feminizing slash masculinizing, um, quote unquote, uh, traits that happen on the body. And if you're a trans youth, it's, it's your body, uh, working against you. Mm-hmm. And so all these puberty blockers are doing is allowing these trans youth to, it's basically for their mental health care, um, while you're figuring out your gender identity, or maybe you already know, you know, not, we also have this attitude that trans youth are figuring stuff out. Sometimes they know, and they know better than we do. Um, but anyway, it just gives them time to, and to not allow, to allow their bodies not to work against them. So anyway, sorry, I cut into what you were saying. No, but. and actually what, what, what you brought up was perfect because I also wanted to bring up that puberty blockers are nothing new. They've been around since the late 70s, early 80s, I believe, like in, in their current form. They've been around for a very long time. And they were originally for precocious puberty, for people who were going through puberty way too young. Or it was very aggressive and they wanted to kind of slow that so they didn't overly develop, like be an overly developed eight-year-old about around a bunch of other third graders who didn't suddenly have all these extra features. Because that could be really stigmatizing and confusing um, to, you know, you know what I mean, to, to all the children in the room, but to the child it's happening to mostly. So it's like, and also gender affirming care can also mean, and a lot of other things, we've let... Um, We've let kids get breast reductions. We've let kids get liposuction. We've let kids, you know what I mean? Like cosmetic surgery is technically legal in some forms for people under the age of 18. So it, it is. It's, it's, it's to the point now where they're not even, because it's such a vague definition, they're just like cherry picking the pieces of it that they want to enforce. But they are opening up a Pandora's box of a whole lot of other people being able to be like, um, excuse me. I would like to, like, you know what I mean? Like, dissent from the ranks, basically being like, your law is so vague that I can get away with saying this now. Um, See, and that's why people people need to wake up. Well, first of all, realize that trans people are real. You can see them. <laughs> Hi. Hi, we're talking to you um, right now. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> and that and so trans rights are humans human rights. That I mean first, first and foremost. But sometimes to help the conversation, you need to realize that trans rights help you. I mean, as selfish as that is sometimes. And the gender policing of people's bodies and um and their gender performance, policing uh, their gender performance, that affects everybody. And is that really what you want? I mean, we live in a day and age where we're from the Midwest. Midwestern women wear jeans and they they do hard manual labor and (laughs) and they can have any haircut they want. And that's good. Like, I'm not saying that is. But do you really want to start policing gender and start being like, that woman seems really masculine. Should we lock her? You know what I mean? Or then even men, it definitely affects men by forcing men to be very masculine. And masculinity has no room for emotion. And all human beings have emotion. And so when you don't allow men to feel emotion, honestly, I feel like that's one of the contributing factors to all this, the, all these shootings and violence. Yeah. And I say one of them, obviously, is that when we don't allow men to feel emotion, um, it comes out sideways and usually yep. violent. Yep. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's it's difficult right now because it's happening at this rapid pace, right? Texas just um, passed a law. I have it up in front of me right now. Um, SB 1029 um, which creates new op- obstacles for healthcare providers seeking to offer transition-related healthcare, 
by lowering the threshold for medical liability to an unprecedented extent. This means that if passed, the law would make doctors and insurers strictly liable to cover the costs of any future health care a patient should seek throughout their entire life should it relate to the gender-affirming care they've received, which means that doctors aren't going to be able to bill insurance for it because insurance is not going to take that on as a liability, effectively making it impossible in a country where we don't have universal health care for anybody, young or old, to get gender-affirming care in Texas. And that's terrifying because that is what they were going for in the first place. That was their plan all along. They are using legal loopholes to find ways to make it, it, it's what they did with abortion, right? You got to make sure your clinic has this wide of, of a wall, blah, 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 so you can fit a gurney down it, even though most abortion clinics don't need that because of the way the procedures are done. And then all these restrictions, they whittle away at, the, at people's ability to receive the care that they need. And like you were saying before, it's not the things that they're saying. Very few people under the age of 17 have anything cosmetically or physically done to their body that is not in any way, shape, or form reversible. Very few. And a lot of the ones who do are the ones that I brought up before. Cis straight kids getting those types of procedures. So they don't have a leg to stand on. Unfortunately, they have gerrymandered the shit out of the state and they have a supermajority. So it is. It can feel a little paralyzing to know what to do next, right? Um, so I'd like to talk about that a little bit. But um, like, what, what, what is all this when, 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 when you hear all of this? What, is, what comes up for you? What are the things that like immediately come to mind for you? It's, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Right? As queer people, we have to um, process it and live our day to day. And how do we how do we do that? How do we live with it? And also um, be fight against it, not allow it to be all-consuming. I think, yeah, it's, I, I find it very overwhelming. Um, and burying your head in the sand is not the answer. But also doom-scrolling is not. Nope. So it's, um, <laughs> I know, I'm... Yeah, I, I, I really, I really struggle with it right now. I, I, um, definitely one thing, um, you we need to know is that we have the biggest impact impact in our local communities. One person can make a huge difference locally. So be active in your local government. If you have LGBTQ community, be active in that community. And I know. COVID has definitely been part... I'm not super active in my local LGBTQ community anymore. Mm -hmm. I used to be very active. I used to help out with a queer youth group. I used to be involved in our local LGBTQ center. And I need to get back to that. I need to get back to that because um, locally we can make a huge impact. Eau Claire banned um, conversion... Uh, gay conversion therapy for minors uh, because I think you can't, I don't know if you can ban it for adults because it's like adults have free, you know what I mean? But you, we banned it for minors. So um, our local community did stand up and fight back, you know? And, uh, and I know um, we've at least historically had good people on the Eau Claire school board mm -hmm. Um trying to make it so that trans youth can just use the fucking bathroom uh find a locker room space that's safe and then i don't know how eau claire's address because that's the other huge tr uh trans anti-trans trend happening right um is sports yes <laughs> and i laugh because it's like who gives a shit people do though it's not funny it's horrible but it's just like oh my god so anyway you i don't know what, what what's coming up for you <laughs> well okay so 
I, I wanted to speak to, to, to one thing. Like, like there was, there was a thought that came up and I was just like, just don't, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Cause I wanted to keep listening. And I was also like, don't lose this thought. No. Um, when you brought up, like, should we out like, like, should, sh should we be able to outlaw like uh conversion therapy for adults? Because like, people have free will and they can make that choice we've outlawed a lot of different forms of therapy like gerson therapy is not really allowed to be practiced in the united states because they've found that it's a dangerous ineffective way to treat cancer and they don't even want it as on the market as an option right so like legitimate um it's a form of therapy that has to do with drinking a shit ton of juices and it's like a diet based uh, therapy and they talked about it on maintenance phase and I got really interested in it one day and I started looking into okay. it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It's insane. And it's good that it's not really allowed to be practiced in the United States. There are just some things where it's like, there's no medical basis for this. There's no reason for it. And I think it's fine to just say, no, you can't practice that. That's a very extreme extreme view which sometimes yes i also have and i'm like maybe i don't know maybe tomorrow i'll disagree with what i just said but right now my immediate my immediate thought was no let's outlaw it let's make it go away forever for everyone but the and other then, oh yeah and then oh you go you go 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 oh i the, the only other thing i wanted to say was the only the, the what what you can do like you were saying getting involved in like local <clears throat> local issues the way that you could do that is um, if you're still on the Facebook, a lot of cities do have local <clears throat> local groups that you could be a part of on Facebook. You can also find a Discord server. A lot of local groups have Discord servers now um, around or, around your area um, or some other place where they post and get together, you know, and talk. I actually just joined a small group of queer musicians and songwriters that want to start meeting to talk about queer issues in the twin cities and uh perform for one another and like showcase new work but the other thing that we're focusing on is building community feeling less alone feeling more together because that way we can actually go out together and join a demonstration join join a movement because then you don't feel like you're showing up alone not sure what to do, not sure who to be by. Um, you have people, and that's something that I feel very strongly about. So that was something that I was super excited. I got invited to join this group, and <clears throat> now I have a way in to join people for those types of things. Now, that could be really difficult. So like I said, find find where your community posts those types of things. Facebook, Discord, find a website. We also have lists of resources that we post underneath every single uh, episode. And I, uh, I finally put them all on one Google Doc. So there's only one link you have to click now <laughs> that will take you to a list of links in a Google Doc form instead of the way that it was underneath our episodes before where they got all smushed together and they were difficult to read. Um, now they're all on one Google Doc, which is open to everybody. Um, and... Uh, I like to add to it, so please let me know if there are things you can do. But the thing that do that, that you got to remember is spreading the money around. If everybody puts money into Glad, Glad can only do so much. You need local entities, you need smaller entities to be boots on the ground, ready to do things. They need your money more. So if you got ten extra dollars, find a smaller entity or utilize the larger entity to find their smaller entities that they work with because they never do it alone but you want to spread the money around if you have time spend your time doing something that you feel is important that you feel is really something that you stand behind because just saying oh there's a demonstration at the capitol building i should go because i feel obligated to go that might not feel like a comfortable thing for you but maybe going to volunteer some time at an event that's meant to like nurture people that might feel more your speed getting paralyzed by not doing it right is one of the most human things we can do and the thing we have to fight against so hard all the time and that's my big message is you're right i personally need to stop doom scrolling i actually officially just set up a time limit on instagram for myself my phone tells me if i've been on instagram for close to an hour throughout the day it tells me your hour is almost up. You should probably like stop. 
Um, <laughs> and I can ignore it. I can click ignore, but I've been trying to stick to it. If I've been on Instagram for an hour, that's my hour a day on Instagram. It's sad that I also think an hour sounds both really long and short at the same time <laughs> for social media, right? Because 10 years ago, we didn't know what that was. <laughs> but it's it's also a good tool. It's a tool for getting yeah. involved. So I guess what I'm saying is explore and discover what makes you feel right and good in this. <clears throat> and you might not find your place within the community right away. You might not find your place in the world of of whether whether you want to think about it as like social activism or you want to think about it as community building. It takes a little while to figure out how you fit into that world, but the first step is finding some place to go, finding a place to be, finding some people that maybe know more than you. Um, and that's how we fight back, you know, and also making it clear, I am here, I am who I am, and I'm visible. If that's safe for you to do, being visible is powerful. And I put a huge giant asterisk at the end of that by saying, if it's possible, yeah. and I mean that, if it's safe, if it's, and if you feel strongly about it, even if you don't feel safe, if you feel, feel strongly about it and you want to do that, I don't completely discourage it, but just know your safety should come first. Um, we want, we want alive, thriving queer people. So. I don't know. I feel like I I talked myself out on that one. I I don't know where else well, to go. I wanted. <laughs> I know. Well, I wanted to let uh, ha give us some final thoughts because we didn't want this episode to be a. We didn't want it to be a deep look onto what's going on right now. We wanted to express uh, that it, it impacts us daily and that we're aware. And so we kind of wanted to get that out, but you also, but we also wanted this episode to not be totally about that because part of keep going is to have joy and wonderfulness in your life and to not feel overwhelmed. Cause then you'll just stay in bed, which I love. Um, and so sometimes that could be a great way to find joy. Stay in bed. Sometimes that's cool. Girl, I encourage it. Get I'm a Taurus. I love a nap. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about my sign, so I could just attribute anything to it. I'm a Capricorn, which means I love sleeping all day. Because <laughs> I'm a sea goat. I'm a she's, goat of the she's sea. She's a sea goat. Everybody. She's a goat that likes to swim. Uh, so KJ, you told me that you had some things for me. You said you had some stuff for me, a book. Oh, so uh, not necessarily for you, but some books that I wanted to well, bring fine. up. <laughs> well, <laughs> only because I don't know if it would. One of these books, I, I, I think you would find interesting. One of them, I think, might be really hard for you to listen to, um, because the content is well. They're both intense. So my therapist has learned that. <clears throat> I really like learning through books and, but I kept saying, I was like, but I feel like I never read anymore because I can only read right before bed. And sometimes I don't want to read the heaviest thing I've ever read in my life right before I go to sleep. Um, and they were like, well, um, I have a couple of books that I know have audiobook forms that you can get at the library. And so the first book that they kind of assigned in quotation marks because they were like you never have to do anything but here's a book i strongly mm -hmm. encourage you to listen to was what my bones know and oh. what my bones know is about cptsd um which is complex ptsd which is not in the dsm-5 um because it's still hotly debated about whether or not it should be its own category or not but a lot of therapists and health uh, mental health care practitioners have started recognizing it as something that requires <clears throat> guidance in therapy sessions. And complex CPTSD is different from what we normally think of as, C as, CP or as, as PTSD because PTSD is typically an, a singular event, a major traumatic event that creates issues moving forward in your life. <clears throat> complex PTSD is based in consistent trauma over time abuse um uh, mostly is what they're talking about and 
they wanted me to listen to it because they were like, I think this will resonate with you and help you find ways to both grieve and move on from some certain some some things in your past and to also put vocabulary to what you're talking about. Um and it was a very powerful listen. It was a difficult listen. Um some of the things that happened to the author are horrific. And there were moments where I was like, am I allowed to identify with any of this? My parents did not try to beat me to death, um, which is, is part of the book. Um, and also, the book is about her healing journey and how she got to where she is now, where she can sit down and write this book about her most intense trauma and feel what she's supposed to feel about it. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm getting off on so many tangents because the book is, it, is intense. And it also brought up so many things for me that were paralyzing and confusing. And I had to stop listening to it a couple of times because I was like, I have to start teaching in 20 minutes and I'm a mess. Um, and it was the one of the first times I've read a book where I've not only resonated with it, but I felt it on the inside. Because what the book is also about is how PTSD in general manifests as a physical sensation. It is not a rational sensation. It is not a sensation that you can just say, that's not real, stop that. You need tools. And I bring it up because I think a lot of queer people experience diff different varying degrees of CPTSD because we all, in some way, shape, or form, <clears throat> go through micro microaggressions, which can become traumatic experiences as we grow. And I'm not a unique experience. Plenty of parents were just as neglectful and withholding as mine could be, um, just as dismissive of who I was as, as mine were, just as uncaring and unfeeling about my feelings as mine were. Um, and I just, I, I wanted to bring it up as a book to that, if it's something that, that, that you feel would help you, it's a really interesting listen and it's worth a listen if you think mm -hmm. you, or your or if you're in therapy and your therapist has brought up CPTSD as a possible, like, it can't be a diagnosis, but it can be a framework because it's not in the DSM. Um, but they're working on getting it into the DSM-6 or 5.5. Um, there are a lot of people really fighting for it. The other book I wanted to bring up is, uh, it's a book called, it's, it has a much less snappy title. Um, it's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, which, oh my God. God, this one's a little funnier, even though it's still intense. And there were a couple of times where I started crying listening to it. It's a lot funnier because I'm like, well, fuck if that isn't my mom as much as anything. <laughs> like, like just just moments where I was That's like, such a good Ugh. title, too, because I mean, you see, I mean, parents are people, you know, when we grow up, we tend to obviously think our parents know everything. Or even if we don't think that mm -hmm. we definitely think that they are managing their lives. And then as we become adults, you realize that parents are just fucking people. <laughs> They're people. And also generationally, our generation is weird in that a lot of things changed very quickly about the world in a very, very short period of time. Whereas <clears throat> the ways that parenting were done, it was kind of a slow shift to seeing children as humans who needed like love and nurturing and yeah the difference between how our parents were parented and then to where parenting is now and then the boomers who are our parents they all fell at different places you know we had definite i mean um corporal punishment depending on where you grew up mm -hmm. some people some people uh, definitely experience that to varying degrees. And, uh, and some boomer parents definitely were like, my parents were horrible and went to extremely like loving, caring, compassionate side. And then some still held on to those beliefs of you got to be tough on children. You got to shape them into who they're going to be. Exactly. And, uh, um, yeah. And the book really talks a lot about how um, it's actually it's really interesting because being the child of an emotionally immature parent means that in some ways your emotional maturity is stunted. And what they talk what, what the book talks about is how to recognize that and how to move past it. But mixed in with what I now understand about CPTSD, I'm like, 
So many things have become very clear to me in the last two weeks, and I'm, I've been a little overwhelmed by it. Um, but both of the books also offered tools and like things you can talk about in therapy and things you could do on your own. Because the problem is that sometimes knowing a lot about a topic doesn't give you any actionable steps towards being able to yeah. do it, which again is why I keep bringing up the list of resources from down below, because it's not just about knowledge. It's about also having a place to do something because that's how you yeah. stop feeling paralyzed. Well, I was paralyzed in my healing journey for a long time with the way that my parents raised me because I was also trapped in the cycle of abuse for so long. Um, and now, yeah, sometimes I'm having just a simple conversation with somebody and a flash comes up that is too close to home, too, too, like, eerily similar. Even though my brain knows it's not, everything else doesn't. And now my body goes into a haywire mode and I can't calm it. I can't soothe it. Those are the skills you learn. You learn how to self-soothe, um, which is... And a huge part of this, too, is vocabulary. Because... Mm -hmm. Well, it's both. It's um, knowing what's going on, because like you said, people don't even know that it's a it's a irrational thought process. And it's also a physical response. And then also having vocabulary for what's happening, because one thing I think about is when I first took women's studies courses. Yeah. And I learned terms like heteronormative. I was so <laughs> excited because like we finally had a term for like oh my god that's what i'm experiencing every day is heteronormativity <laughs> every day with heteronormativity <laughs> yeah and so just like and two one thing i wanted to bring up is um getting things into the dsm is good because we want awareness to get out there and we also want the vocabulary and knowledge but we also, um, it's also important to, we don't always need to pathologize everything. Like, not think of people having a disorder or anything. And more of, that's a trauma response people have. You know what I mean? Like, that's their body's way of dealing with trauma is a response. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think having these terms is good so we have awareness and knowledge and we can work through it. But then we don't always need to pathologize and like act like something's wrong with people. You know what I mean? Well, I and, and, and I hear you. And I'm just going to I'm going to push back on that the teensiest bit because there's two reasons that they really want to get into the DSM. Number one, we do not have universal health care in this country. And the only way that that insurance covers things is when it's a legitimate disorder yeah that is the only way yep icd-10 yep. codes if it doesn't have one of those go fuck yourself number two <laughs> at least in this country right and then number two the reason why is because it's not necessarily pathologizing to let to to make a clear understanding like people get pathologized about being depressed but being depressed is also you know what i mean like the a trauma response is still a chemical reaction. You know what I mean? It's still an imbalance in your body. And they want it to be in the DSM because then it can be more fully understood. I totally agree. We don't want things to get too overly like stigmatized and pathologized. But at the same time, we don't live in an idealized country with an idealized healthcare system. We live in a very complicated, messy healthcare system. I'm not telling you nothing, but like, but like in terms of this point here, getting something like CPTSD as its own, like, uh, like indicator in the DSM means that also there is a framework for treating it, which right now, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, therapists are like, we can talk about it. We can work through it. I cannot prescribe any extra therapies that you can then go bill insurance for, to treat this because it is not in the DSM. So it creates all of these issues to and barriers to access for care, not having it in the DSM-5, um, which is the I know, problem. And that's always, that's, yeah, that's always the struggle that I, I face is because like, I know right now Mayo Clinic, the way they um, treat trans people is through this kind of pathologizing. Yep. And so that's where, 
And so, yeah, when I speak of that, I'm not saying we shouldn't get stuff into the DSM. No, of course, we should have stuff there because we have to work within the system we have. I just always struggle because when you start listing things as diagnoses, there can be a stigma. And so I think it's having the awareness, having the awareness that that's what's going on. And at the same time, but at the same time, too, sometimes when we adopt these labels, it really helps us work through them so it's both i think it's both a positive and i won't even say a negative it's just good to have to have the awareness that um just because there's a label doesn't mean it's bad. No, so absolutely. Maybe, yeah. I think, well, and, and I think, honestly, I think that's kind of how our brains are wired. We hear diagnosed with CPTSD as, oh, bad, or diagnosed with depression or anxiety, or, you know or what even, I mean? Like, yeah, or even the response of, oh, I'm so sorry. Exactly. It's like, no, don't be. The best <laughs> day of my life was when my therapist brought up that CPTSD might be something we should talk about. Because it meant I finally yeah. had a mental and emotional and physical framework through which to actually start unpacking all of this i am well aware of what happened to me as a child and that it's fucked up and that it's traumatic that didn't mean i had any tools to do anything about it right or to understand why i feel the way that i feel so no i'm I'm hearing you entirely uh because like it's it's difficult because we don't want we don't want that stigma there but like in order to get again in this stupid fucking system we have like in order to get anything done it just has to be listed as like a legitimate thing because that's a a lot of things yeah coded (laughs) well because the other thing is that when you tell people that i have like legitimate like like traumatic responses to things their first response is well i've never heard of that it's not in it's it's not here in this manual so it's not real yeah you know what i mean it's not it's not a real thing and it's like well fuck you it is real um first of all but but the, but the problem is, is that those are the people we have to convince. You know what I mean? Those are the ones that, that have to be convinced. And so anyway, the reason I brought I brought all this up was because there's like a wealth of people out there who are really trying to make like big changes for people in this country. And a lot of it is through telling stories, telling your story. If you feel compelled to tell a story or to share your story or to, again, just be a little bit more visible about who you are and why it's important for people to see you that way, I think that's a beautiful thing. And again, if you feel safe and comfortable, we would love to tell your story if you want to write in about it. Um, We also just want to encourage you that sometimes just getting up in the morning and living authentically and being joyful can change people's minds about the narratives to go back to 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 how being trans is often stigmatized you're going to be sad you're going to have a short life you're going to be addicted to drugs you're probably going to get murdered right like that's that's the narrative about trans people so often and we have to share those stories because it's not fair to the memories of those people to pretend like that doesn't happen a lot and also trans people live they thrive they love they like like we are we are here trans people we are here we love we 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 live i just yeah Whew. and you just gotta remember that queer people are just as fucking born as the rest of us yeah exactly we we all started off as babies that other people didn't care about too <laughs> yeah we all just want to watch netflix that's that's all we want. Want to watch Netflix? We want to go to 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 our silly little shows and live our silly little lives. Like I, you know what I mean. Like, um, so uh, yeah, like like those. I I bring up those books not not necessarily to be like everybody should read those books, but that those types of resources are out there. And um, if those two books will help somebody who's listening, that's awesome. If you have things that you like to read. Let us know. Slide into the DMs. We would love to share out yeah. other 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 healing journeys because healing journeys are really important. Um, yeah, a lot of us are exhausted, traumatized people, <laughs> and awareness of those issues too, yes. right? Because like you like you said, if you don't know that someone's having a physical trauma response, you might think in that moment what I need to do is, like, snap them out of it or something. Right. And a lot of times, you just have to ride a wave. Mm-hmm. Right, ride a wave and also just, like, be present. Make it known, hey, yeah. I'm here. 
Um, and then when the wave is over, you can break it down a little bit. Like, so what happened there? I feel like something yeah, happened there. I, as as a nurse who used to work in a detox, I am very well aware <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of times you just have to wait for a storm to pass, and it can be very, uh, it can it's very scary for that person, and it's very scary for everyone around them. Yes, and so. That's a that's a that's a difficult thing. So the knowledge is huge. The knowledge and the vocabulary for sure. Exactly. And also just know you're really like you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are feeling similarly to you, who have experiences that are similar to you. And if you have felt alone or you felt like my struggle is so hard no one can understand it. That does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a selfish person. It makes you a person who is very, very, very having a hard time getting outside of the difficult things that are happening to you, partially because it can feel so paralyzing and lonely to live in that state. So just know, not only are you not alone, but we want you to succeed. We want you to feel beautiful and loved and oh, that you're that's struggling. What we want. That's, what that, that's what we want. And also we want you to stay hydrated and we want you to get your fiber. Yeah. We want you to eat fiber for fuck's sake. Like just, God, we, we need hydrated queers and we need queers eating their fiber. Come on now. We need it. Ugh. I'm so mad. We cannot <laughs> fight the fight if we're not moving packages <laughs> and drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> can't happen um yeah. so to just to just bring us in for a landing i just it's hard right now but we don't want to always focus on on how on how hard it is and but being aware that it's hard and also being aware that it's hard for specific reasons having a framework for that whatever is going to help you structure it in a way that will help you continue to move on continue to grow continue to learn and continue to keep fighting that's what we want. That's what we want to want want you to know is possible, and that's what we want from you. Nothing more. So, well, maybe more, but nothing less. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we love you is all we're saying. Thank you for being we love here, you. and yeah. for uh, the second time today. Just kidding. Shh, we didn't record more than one episode. <laughs> Salancha. Oh my goodness. Oh. God, it feels good to there laugh go. again. <laughs> oh, that, got, that was hot. Here. That's hot.